Welcome to Texas History Lessons. Bonus lesson. A bonus lesson, yes. This wasn't scheduled to be released. I've already recorded up to six lessons, and even though we haven't even got into the initial lessons about the first peoples coming to the United States and to the Americas and to Texas, I decided I'd go ahead and uh, throw in a little little uh, lighter episode. Something, well, what it is, it's a bonus. Not necessarily part of the plan, but I hope to do a little few more of these about lots of different topics. Some of you might be old enough to remember the teacher rolling in the projector and showing you a film of otters or ducks or smoke of the bear or whatnot. Those were always fun days. A break in the schedule, a day where you might still learn something, but it wasn't that demanding. Well, that's what this bonus lesson is. It's a break from the curriculum. Now, I know it's not on your course syllabus, but it's okay. Just pay attention and enjoy this episode, and you might be able to get a bonus answer right when it's test time. We've had two lessons introducing the course, and knowing that the next three are pretty involved, I decided to break it up with an episode on Texas music. Now, some of you might be asking, though, why start with somebody called Billy Joe Shaver, or who is Billy Joe Shaver? Why not start with Willie Nelson, Scott Joplin, Lead Belly, Buddy Holly, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Janice Joplin, Erica Badu, Selena, and yeah, the list can just go on and on and on. I get it. But rather than struggle over who to be the first Texas icon musically to celebrate, I let fate and circumstance present me with this serendipitous first choice. The date this episode is scheduled for release is August 16th, 2020, the 81st birthday of Billy Joe Shaver. So it's perfect timing. I've heard Willie Nelson quoted as having said something to the effect of, If you fail at something long enough, you'll become a legend. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Billy Joe Shaver is a failure at anything. And from what I've heard of him, being a fighter his entire life, I'm definitely not saying he's a failure. But fame and monetary success have eluded him for most of his career. He's what somebody I heard called a backstage insider and a music business outsider. Some of y'all might have heard of like a writer's writer. A writer so good that successful and award-winning writers admire them, even though most readers have never heard of them. Well, that's Billy Joe Shaver in the music industry. His songs have been covered by Elvis Presley, Bob Dylan, Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, Jerry Lee Lewis, Chris Christopherson, Bobby Bear, the Oak Ridge Boys, Tom T. Hall, Johnny Paycheck, and the Allman Brothers, to name a few. Willie Nelson calls him his favorite songwriter and recorded an album in 2012 called Heroes, on which the song Hero both features Shaver and is about Billy Joe Shaver. Bob Dylan even held Shaver in high enough regard to sing of him on the song I Feel a Change Coming On off of the 2009 album Together Through Life. He has the line, I'm listening to Billy Joe Shaver and I'm reading James Joyce. James Joyce and Billy Joe Shaver. Putting those two together is quite an honor, and I've heard Shaver said that he feels the same way. And if you still aren't familiar with Billy Joe Shaver, but you or your kids have watched the Adult Swim television show Squidbillies, then you've heard the man sing. He does the theme song. Perseverance. Perseverance might be one thing to say about Billy Joe Shaver. He's lived an interesting but difficult life. He almost wasn't even born 
his father having kicked the mother repeatedly in the stomach and then disappearing before his birth in the cotton country of Corsicana, Texas on August 16, 1939. One story goes that his mother reportedly told her mother that if the child was a boy, then she was gone. And she pretty much kept her word for much of his childhood. Billy Joe's grandmother raised him and his sister for much of his formative years. At age eight, Billy Joe snuck out of the house wearing nothing but a pair of overalls, no shirt, no shoes. He walked eight miles of track to a hockey talk that was hosting a popular duo. He snuck in and shimmied up a post to see the stage. As he did, the announcement came on that a new singer was coming on stage to play next. It's Hank Williams. And little Billy Joe, hanging from a post with nothing but a pair of overalls, had his life changed as the young singer sang directly to him. I think he considered it worth the beating his grandmother gave him when he got home, and he started writing songs. His mother remarried about the time his grandmother died, so he moved in with her and his new stepfather about age 12, and sometimes accompanied her to her jobs at the Hockey Talks. One of the ones she ran was called Green Gables, and he sings about it in the song Honky Tonk Heroes that was on the 1973 album recorded by Waylon Jennings. He dropped out of school after eighth grade and started working, helping his uncles pick cotton. At 17, he joined the Navy, and after his service ended, he started competing as a cowboy in rodeos and working a series of dead-end jobs. He married a woman named Brenda Joyce Tyndall. They had a son, Eddie, who would later grow up to be his father's guitarist. The marriage didn't last and they divorced. In fact, Shaver married two women three times. Brenda was one of those. Shaver says the divorces just never worked out. At a lumber mill job in Cameron Mills near Waco, Shaver lost the index and middle finger of his right hand. Not to be deterred, he taught himself how to play guitar despite the setback, realizing that manual labor was going to be a lot harder for him without those fingers. He decided to pursue his musical career. And he needed, he knew he needed to kind of kickstart things, so he decided to set out hitchhiking to Los Angeles. And of course, he ended up in Nashville, Tennessee. That's the way things kind of seemed to happen in his career. He ended up getting a job as a songwriter for $50 a week with Bobby Bear's publishing company, sometimes living in the company's office. In 1972, back in Texas, uh, he was a day late to get to meet the Grateful Dead, and, and but they had left him something. They left him a roll of toilet paper, and each sheet had a hit of acid in it. And um, back in those days, he was not disinclined to experiment with things. So he partook and disappeared into the woods for a few days, thinking he was Jesus Christ. This was also at the time of Willie Nelson's fourth annual picnic. It's a music festival that's now been going on for decades. Shaver arrived after his trip into the wilderness and heard some people playing a guitar in a little trailer. He entered and joined with them. And after playing a song, a man came out from the end of the trailer and asked him who had written that song. Shaver said he had. The man was Waylon Jennings. Jennings asked him if he had more like that, and Shaver said yes. Shaver says he always is writing, even to this day. And Jennings said, come on, 
if you're ever in Nashville, look me up and I'm going to do an album with your songs. Now, this wasn't Jennings' first experience at having heard some of Shaver's songs. He'd heard some in the offices of Bobby Bear before and had also floated the idea of doing an album with his songs. But something disconnected in this time period. Now, as Shaver would say it, he'd say he's from Texas, and if somebody says they're going to do something, they better do it. So back to Nashville, he went. Apparently, Jennings, from Shaver's kind of telling the story, had second thoughts and started trying to avoid him. Shaver said he kept calling up or showing up at the office. And finally, Billy Joe says he caught Whalen, who was with two big biker-looking guys, as Shaver recalled. He recalls Waylon asking something like, Hoss, what is it you want from me? Now, here's how Waylon recalled the incident. I was always in a meeting or on another call or not in, Waylon said. This went on for months. He caught me one night at RCA recording. I got these songs, he said, and if you don't listen to them, I'm going to kick your ass right here in front of everybody. Now, Waylon continues saying he could have been killed there and then by some of my friends lining the walls. But I took Billy Joe in the back room and said, Hoss, you don't do things like that. I'm going to listen to one song, and if it ain't good, I'm going to tell you goodbye. We ain't never going to talk again. Billy played me old five and dimers and then kept on going. He had a whole sack full of songs. And by the time he ran out of breath, I wanted to record them all. Now, instead of dying, which is one of the many things that could have happened right then, Jennings released Honky Tonk Heroes, one of his most successful albums, filled with Billy Joe's songs in 1973. Nine of the album's ten songs, to be exact. It was a hit, and it helped start the outlaw country movement that blossomed in the next few years. Now, according to Shaver... And he's not saying this with any ill intent against Jennings. He understands, he says. After a reviewer praised the album, called Shaver the true hero of the honky-tonk heroes, Shaver said Jennings refused to ever record one of his songs again, and he never did. Soon after that, Billy Joe Shaver started recording his own music. The first album was financed by Chris Christopherson taking out a loan against his own first album. That album was old five and dimers like me. Came out in 1973. 1976, he released When I Get My Wings. 1977, he released Gypsy Boy. 1981, he released I'm Just an Old Chunk of Coal, But I'm Gonna Be a Diamond Someday. 82, saw the release of Billy Joe Shaver. And then Salt of the Earth in 87. And throughout this time, he kept touring, hitting up all the bars, playing everywhere he could, riding around in a van, riding around in a truck, doing everything he could. And yet, while people loved his music, he never could get that next level that he actually could get above just getting by. He's a working musician, friend of the famous, but not famous himself, friend of the rich, but not rich himself. Then, 1993, he and his son released Tramp on Your Street under the name of Shaver. And that's when I first experienced Billy Joe Shaver's actual music. I'd heard his music my entire life sung by other people. But that cassette tape that I bought, I wore that thing out. It's a it's a wonderful, wonderful album. Critically acclaimed, yet critical success doesn't equal monetary success. So things kept going on as they had been. 96, he recorded and released another good album, Highway of Life. 
He did another one in 98, Victory. Victory being the name of his grandmother who had raised him. And then in 99, he released Electric Shaver. And then 99 is a pivotal moment in Billy Joe's life. He lost his first and final wife, Brenda, the woman he'd married first when he was in his late teens, early 20s, the mother to Eddie. And he had remarried her, and that's who he was married to while he and their son Eddie were touring and recording together. And this wasn't long after his mother also died. And that was a shock to him and a painful moment for him and probably a financial hit also for having to deal with two funerals. But he still had his son, and he had the dogs that his wife had left that they kept him company and helped keep him kind of grounded. And they just kept working. Eddie and Billy Joe kept hitting the road, playing music. They were scheduled to play a place near Willie Nelson's down near Austin on New Year's Day 2001. But the day before that, Shaver received some devastating news in the form of a phone call. His son had been found in a motel room in Waco, Texas, and had been rushed to a hospital. Billy Joe rushed there to the hospital. The police had to kick him out because he was so upset. They're trying to see if he was brain dead or not. And Eddie Shaver, phenomenal guitarist, pronounced dead at age 38, December 31st, 2000. The official cause given was a heroin overdose, but Shaver, he still to this day remains suspicious. His entire band disappeared that day leading him to believe that they had been present and knew more about what had actually happened. So there he was, crushed, broke, having lost his mother, wife, and son in two years. And enter Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson and Shaver had met way back in 1955. They'd known each other for years and years and years. And he talked to Billy Joe and said, you got to get back up on the horse. Get back up on stage. You're going to come play with me. I work band or not i'm gonna work it out for you you're, you're gonna get out there new year's day with me then after the show he took shaver home with him and they talked through the night now when shaver talks about willie he talks with him in, with great fondness and causes him a very wise very wise man seeing his friend in pain nelson shared whatever advice he had to share told him he needed to stick with his music and he gave him some money to help out, and he paid for Eddie's funeral. Now, as an aside, a few years later, Shaver got some money from Sony and offered to pay Willie back all of the money he'd given him. And, of course, Willie being Willie, refused. So lonely, except thankfully for the two dogs that his wife had left him. He kept working. He released the album The Earth Rolls On in 2001, and then death came for him. You say, what? Death came for him. Yeah, it came for him. He was playing Independence Day show at Green Hall in New Braunfels, Texas, the oldest dance hall in Texas. Unair conditioned. They open up the screens on the side to let air flow in. And he's in on stage, and he feels like something, an elephant on his heart. And he's like, okay, this is perfect. I'm going to die on stage in the oldest dance hall in Texas. So he kept playing songs. And he had some nit- he'd had heart issues, so he had nitro pills, and he kept popping nitro pills because he said without the nitro he couldn't sing. It was just too much of a burden. And his guitarist at the time that was playing with him was deaf in one ear, and was that ear was on the side facing nearest uh, Billy Joe. And after they would do a song, Billy Joe would say something to the effect like, "This is the last one," and he was like just ready to die. But then the guitarist thought he was saying, "Okay, another one." 
So they'd launch into another song. Must have been a heck of a show. And there he was wanting to die. And I heard him interviewed and he was asking Ernest, was he serious when he says he wanted to die? And he says, yeah, I, I was ready to at that point. I would have been, it would have been perfect into my life to have gone out like that. But he even failed at that. Then after somebody that worked with him selling merch realized he was in such a bad state, they got him to the hospital. The doctor said, you have 10% blood flow. You need to go immediately have bypass surgery. Well, a friend, Kinky Friedman, said, why don't you keep coming with me to a, a tour they had planned in Australia? People have heart attacks every day. And a cancer doctor's advice. Somehow, Kinky Friedman talked Billy Joe into going on a three-week tour of Australia where he could have possibly just dropped dead then. And then he returned and he did undergo a successful heart surgery. And he came back to release an album called Freedom's Child in 2002. That was followed by 2003's Try and Try Again, which, if nothing else, you should listen to the title song of that album because it pretty much summarizes Shaver's entire career. Something happened. He credits with the near-death experience. People hearing that he might almost be gone, they maybe should check him out. And he started having success. People started coming to see him more. People started wanting to record more with him. People started buying his music. He started getting a little bit of... A little bit of success started getting a little touch of fame. He released an album called Billy and the Kid in 2004. 2005, he put out The Real Deal. 2006, Texas Country Music Hall of Fame inducted him. The Americana Music Convention awarded him their Lifetime Achievement Award in songwriting. In 2007, he put out Everybody's Brother. And in 2014, he put out Long in the Tooth. Oh, yeah, somewhere in this, I think it was 2007, he shot a man in the face in a confrontation in Lorena, Texas. But because he was on a winning streak, somehow he got acquitted of all the charges and didn't have to go to prison. So it goes for uh, Billy Joe Shaver. He's had some touches with uh, some bad health in the last few years, but he's still out there playing music, still plugging away, doing what he's loved since he first walked those eight miles of track to see Hank Williams play. And he's devoted his life to something, and it's good to see somebody that stuck with something for so long, despite all the hardship, despite all the bad decisions, overcoming the bad decisions, and getting things right. Not necessarily going to be somebody everybody listening to this is going to enjoy, but if you love country music, you might want to give this a chance. I have created a Spotify playlist of some of his key songs that will be in the show notes. All you have to do is click or uh, cut and paste and go to Spotify and listen to them. So if you're listening to this in August 2020 or any time at all, take a moment to check out the work of Billy Joe Shaver. Like I said, I'm going to have the link in to a playlist in the show notes. And if you enjoy it, maybe go to his BillyJoeShaver.com and buy something directly from him. I'm going to. He's put the time in to get something back. So there we go. First bonus episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got a little fun out of it. He's a key person in Texas music, even if you've never heard of him. And I guarantee you, most of the young Texas music songwriters in the Red Dirt community and the country or Americana community, they all look up to the band and know who he is and... He's, he's worthy of being recognized. So let's celebrate Billy Joe Shaver, 81st birthday on August 16th, 2020. Thank you for listening to the show. This is a bonus episode. Next up, we're going to be going back into our actual coursework, our lessons. And I'm going to be trying to drop uh, different ones of these in. If you have any certain topics that you're interested in, email the show at Texas History Lessons, all together, lowercase, at gmail.com. Texas History Lessons at gmail.com. You can reach out 
to me on Twitter at Texas History L. That's with a capital T, a capital H, and a capital L. Texas History L on Twitter. And uh, we also have a Facebook page, Texas History Lessons. Tell me if there's anything you want to hear about in the future. Tell me if you listened to some of his work and uh, you enjoyed it. So, appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the show. Tell your friends about it. If you know any history teachers, I've had a lot of people uh, following the show that happen to be history teachers in Texas. And I hope that what I do here is of some assistance to them. Together we can uh, maybe learn something together, a little bit new, to help our understanding of the way things were in the past. Thanks again for listening. Adios.
without notes, without anything to go by. These were my thoughts. I really felt I needed to add concerning Mr. Shaver and his work. Again, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time as we go actually do some real-time traveling. Thank you. Adios. Thank you.